to this week's edition of the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrives. My name's Alison Barton Simmons. I am your co-host. Now then, I'm the uh, I'm the other fella, ex Benedict. Still clinging to my new um, catchphrase. We need t-shirts printing, by the way. What now then? No, with now then, yeah. And a picture and a of Fred pot. Truman on it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the um, the the latest episode of um, Saddle, the sitcom archive deep dive overdrive. We are taking a deep dive into one of the what what we think is one of the prime sitcoms of the 70s, The Good Life. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? I love The Good Life. I do. And now we're on, we're on season two. Oh, sorry, series two. Season two, it's very American, that, isn't it? Series two, episode one of what was a four-series TV show in the 70s. Um, this episode, do you know what the name is, Ben? <laughs> do you know what the name is, Ben? Uh, I did. I've got it written down. It's something... What is it? Do you remember? <laughs> oh, just my I bill. Do. Just my um, bill, isn't it? Just my bill, yeah. Um, just my bill. Which was shown on the BBC um, on the 5th of December, 1975, originally, and brought in 9.2 million viewers, apparently. Ooh. Which is which is which? I suppose was there was definitely a rise in, in figures as as the series went on. I think wasn't there? Yeah, throughout this one, I think by the end of it, it's almost doubled. Mm. Which in the seventies was like that was because you you only had three channels then. Yeah, three wouldn't it? Yeah, three channels, and and so that was yeah quite a portion. That explains some of the other less um, quality TV that was um, so heavily watched at the time. Because basically there was fuck mm. all else to do or to watch. Yeah, you know, you had to you had to so go out or entertain yourself or watch. Um, yeah, some pish on one of the three main terrestrial whatever channels. Whatever was on, you just watched. Yeah, that's it. You just watched whatever was on, didn't you? And there was no remote control either, so whatever you put on, pretty much just stayed on. Exactly. Unless, um, you'd so have to yeah. be arguing about who'd get up and change the channel. <laughs> <laughs> get off your arse, you lazy bastard. <laughs> So just my bill, I, I personally really enjoy this episode as it, it sort of takes um a bit of a bit of a look at the, the pitfalls of, of the lifestyle that, that Tom and Barbara have decided to follow um and all the things that you that you don't probably think about when you when you set off on a journey like this. Um and it's one of these sort of like bumps in the way, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was quite quite a clever idea to look at it from a perspective of mm. the challenges that they have, you know. Um, yeah. But before we get stuck into this one, one thing to say, as always, yes. is that you can, we would love it if you'd watch along with us. Um, these shows are available to watch for free on Daily Motion because some naughty person uploaded it to Daily Motion. So we tweet out a link every week to where you can watch it. And then obviously you can come and join us on the podcast. We love watching The Good Life. I mean, it's it's just as good now for me watching it as it ever has been because I'm almost seeing it through a new lens. Yeah. But also one of the things about it is it's so comforting and familiar and sort of it warms the cockles of my heart, you know what I mean, to watch an episode of The Good Absolutely, Life. Absolutely, yeah. So, Absolutely. I, I feel, I feel, you feel part of it, don't you? Yeah, and I suppose our dream <laughs> is that some some people will, you know, Get a f- similar feeling from listening to our podcast afterwards. That's a that's a pipe dream. But if your cockles need a good jolly, make sure you've subscribed and um and told your friends about this show. 
So, in recent years, Ben, the BBC have um, taken to remaking lots of the old shows from the 70s, such as Porridge, um, Till Death Do Us Part, and which got us thinking, would it be a bad idea to remake The Good Life? Uh, can I take this one? Yes, it would. Yeah. Do you think it would? You think it would? But if but if they did, um, yeah. Apparently, prior to um, this 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 podcast is being made um, during the coronavirus pandemic of two thousand and twenty. Um, but apparently, prior to all this, um, there was going to be a production on the stage in London um, of The Good Life, starring Catherine Parkinson, who was in the IT crowd. Oh, it's Jen. With Chris O'Dowd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she was going to play Barbara in, in, in a stage show. There's not there's not much more information about the actual production. Um, but if you could... Um, if you could create your own version of The Good Life in the mm. modern day... Yeah. Do you have an idea of who you might choose to be in the four, the four main parts? Ooh. With the caveat that I wouldn't do it to begin with, but just for the sake of... No, it, it, it wouldn't happen, but if you had to, with a gun to your head... Okay. What forward four people. Have you got some as well? I've got an idea, yeah. All right, who should we start with then? Tom. Um, let's start with Tom. Yeah, go on. Who would, you, who would you suggest for Tom? Well, I don't know. Maybe that guy from... Um, from... What's the show called? The posh show that everyone loves in the stately home. <laughs> um, Downton Abbey. Yeah, Hugh, is it Hugh Bonneville? Bonneville? Yeah, he could be Tom, couldn't he? He could be Tom. Um, I think is he is he a bit too old for Tom, or do you think he's he's Tom esque? Well, Tom. The thing is, Richard Briers had a proper battered face anyway. I mean, he he looks older than me. How old was he? Forty yeah. when he started, and he looks. Knocking fifty, doesn't he? Even in the good life. Mm. Yeah, Hugh Bonneville is a good good shout then. I think maybe also um, it's a bit a bit of a curveball this one. But what about um, Miles Jupp? You know him? Oh yes, I do know Miles Jupp. Yeah, he's quite sort of curly haired, big, jumpery. Yeah, I can see him physically <laughs> resembling. <laughs> I'm sure Tom. that's not on his CV how he describes himself: big hair and jumpery. Maybe he should um, update his Twitter bio to match that description. <laughs> I'm sure his agent would be interested in pitching him for roles. Big hair and jumpery, Miles Jupp's your man. <laughs> if, he, if it's what's called for, though, he is, he's perfect. He could also play Jerry, yeah, to be like fair, that. because he's um, posh and sort of... He is posh. He could just take his jumper off. He could. Yeah, he's not welded to it. He's not married to it. Who, who have you got for Tom? I've got. Um, I'm. I'm now wondering whether I've. I've written the right name. Um, Martin Freeman. Oh, the Hobbit, Bilbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Sort of slightly posh, more down to earth. I also had Chris Marshall, who was the big grown-up man-child from um, my family. <laughs> oh yeah, I see where you. I see the angle you work in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe. Maybe. 
actually yeah. think casting Tom is probably easier than casting some of the others because uh, I think thinking yes. about it now, Tim Vine also could be Tom, couldn't he, with his silliness? Oh, yes. You know, and his, his sort like, of like bonhomie that he has. I'm thinking of like the character he played in Lee Mack's yep. sitcom. You know, he could do it. Yep. But Lee Mack. Too silly. Yeah, too silly, yeah. He wouldn't be able to stop cracking one-liners, would he? Oh, looking at the camera and winking. <laughs> yeah, mugging mugging to the camera. Who have you got for Barbara, then? Um, for, oh, oh, I've left it blank. Can we can we do somebody else? Of course we can, yeah. Oh, I, I've had a thought about Barbara, though. What about oh. uh, from Carshare? Oh, yes, she's quite Barbara-esque. What is it? What's her name? Um, Sean something, isn't it? Sean, mm. possibly Sean Gibson. She's very sort of cutesy and yes, um, it's that kind of. She emulates that kind of sort of feeling, doesn't she, Barbara? Yeah, I think she'd make a good Barbara, and maybe even Sally Phillips mm. if she was younger. Oh right, okay. No offense to Sally Phillips; it's still a beautiful yeah. woman, but she doesn't. She's not really young enough yeah. for the role now. Mm. Anyway, yeah. we'll come back to your Barbara. I'll come back to my Barbara, um, Jerry. Who have you got for Jerry? Jerry, Jerry. Well, I would say Miles Jupp could play Jerry. I always think like mm. sort of a posh Colin Firth. No, he's not. He's not humorous enough, is he, Colin Firth? No, he's quite. He's quite straight, really, isn't he? What about um, old uh, Lucius Malfoy from Harry Potter? Jason Isaacs. Do you know him? I like him. Yes. He could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can just picture him wearing the Burberry slacks and walking with a cane and um, mm. down in gin every every three seconds. Down in gin, yes, he'd be good. Um, I've got, I've got Henry Cavill who was Superman. Really? God, you're ambitious. <laughs> yeah, um, I just thought quite posh, um, and I could also imagine him wearing Burberry slacks. Um. Yeah, I don't know. My wife likes him, but I don't think it's his acting prowess. Yeah. I don't know. I'm willing to sort of come with you on the on a hypothetical, but I still think James yeah. Jason Isaacs is probably more suited. My other my other suggestion was Ben Wishaw, who was Paddington. Um, oh yeah, because he's quite posh and um, he's a bit he's a bit of an everyman, but he can play various parts, um, and I think. Paddington and Jerry would sit alongside each other quite well. Yeah, I can't actually picture what he looks like though. I can only picture the bear, and I can't really picture the bear wearing yeah, his not, Burberry caps. <laughs> he's not the bear. No. Um, he's, yeah, he's got. He's like dark. He's quite young, I think. Quite young. Um. And yeah, he is. A, he is a bit of a bit of an every character. I think. All right then. Okay. Uh, Margot, she's got to be the easiest one. I mean, I know she's not the easiest one. Yeah. You can't possibly replace Penelope Keith as Margot. But no. there are a certain actress, actresses that spring to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I went for... Go on, can I, shall I tell you who I went yeah, for? Go. Yeah, go. When, when you mentioned Tom at the beginning and you said um, about the man from the Posh Show, um, I, I chose Michelle Dockery, who is also in the Posh Show, um, with... With that sort of, um, she's um, she's got the, the the voice and the air about her, but I think I'm perhaps thinking about the character that she played in in Downton mm. too much. I don't really know much about Michelle Dockery beyond 
beyond doubting. It's easy to fall into that trap, isn't it? Yes, just a typecaster. Yeah, but although Penelope Keith never was <laughs> never avoided getting typecast as the posh. No. Yeah, as a posh woman. What about um? I know this is ambitious, but I can see Kate Blanchett in in the role of um, Margot. Oh right. Yes. She's a very good actress. I reckon she could. Um, she is. I saw her in a movie with um, Judy Dench where she played a London school teacher who was quite well spoken. A few years oh, yes. Ago. Good yes. movie, that. I can't remember what it's called. I saw that, but... yeah. Scandal? Yeah, she was uh, She was nonce in a schoolboy, wasn't she? The Dirty Cow. Notes on a scandal. That's it, yeah, yeah. I think. I've just watched it in Mrs. America um, where she plays a right wing activist um, involved in gender politics in America in the 70s. And she was that really strong sort of female lead in the show, um, but quite Margot-esque in her um, views. So, yeah, I could see, I could definitely see her. I could definitely see her playing Margot. Yeah. I mean, she might be an ambitious cast. The other one, the other ones that yes. spring to mind is possibly Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who's like everyone's cup of tea Ooh, at the moment. yes. I think she could pull she it is, off. She Or even, um, mm. what's well, Jessica... It used to be Jessica Stevenson. What's she called now? Jessica Hines, is it? Jessica Hines. Yeah, she See, could. Do could it. she not be Barbara? She yeah, could, she I, could I possibly think, be think... Barbara. Yeah. The thing is, with all of these, these are all like dream cast, but you know that if it ever got made, Margot would be played by Miranda Hart. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Yeah. yeah, of course she would. She'd be a shoe in. No, but the, the, the whole point is, don't remake the Good Life. If you're a TV exec listening to yes. this, thinking, "Whoa, these kids are on a winner." <laughs> yeah, get that ex Benedict and Alison Barton Simmons on the phone. <laughs> Have I got a job for you? <laughs> yeah, don't do it. <laughs> Although, if you do want to commission oh. us to do it and pay us a lot of money, we are available. Yes, we will sell our soul. Get Paddington in. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. So, on the subject of recasting the Good Life, um, although we do say it's a bad idea. I did come across um, an article a while ago, which I've just I've got up here, which I'm going to read out verbatim. This is from the days where satire was more feasible, because now everything's satire, because reality is more strange than satire. But this is from the Daily Mash a few years ago, so it's obviously just a piece of satire. Um, headline, supermodel Cara Delevingne will play Margot Ledbetter in a big-budget drama about the dark side of suburban self-sufficiency. Director David Fincher is... <laughs> Director David Fincher is to remake the 1970s sitcom The Good Life about a man who tires of the rat race and decides to ruin the lives of everyone around him. (laughs) (laughs) Delevingne will play Margot, the snobbish but kind-hearted neighbour, while her pathetic lecherous husband, Jerry, will be played by Gary Oldman. The part... (laughs) So well written, this. Um, The part of vegetable-growing villain Tom Good will be played by Rafe Fiennes, and his brave but desperate wife Barbara will be played by Hilary Swank. <laughs> Fincher said, This is not a comedy. We want to explore the unhinged psyche of a man who robbed his lovely wife of middle-class security and made a previously pleasant neighbourhood stink of pig shit and rotting goat meat. <laughs> Delevingne is preparing for the role by standing in front of a mirror and repeating, Well, thank you very much, Jerry, in a darkly sarcastic voice. <laughs> oh, they're miles better choices than ours. <laughs> <laughs> so, series two, episode one, just my bill, takes us into the kitchen initially, 
of Tom and Barbara where they are chatting about how much money they do not have mm. after making a start on their self-sufficiency lifestyle. And Tom is trying to break it to Barbara um, about how much money they've actually not got, which turns out to be £3.28. And he says, bang goes the yacht, which is quite true at this stage. Yeah, pretty destitute, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is, absolutely. But the the kind-hearted goods have still invited round for dinner um, Margot and Jerry. Um, and Margot is, is like rustling about in the garden and she's at the window. Um, and Tom just sort of checks on her and says, what, what are you doing outside, Margot? Why don't you come in? And she says, well, you've invited us for 8 o'clock, which I assumed was for 8.30, um, which I took to mean 8.15, and it's still only 8.14. So she wouldn't come in because she's obviously very sort of sticking to her standards. I, I think I know um, or have known women and men who have those weird unstated rules of dinner party punctuality. I just turn up when really? I'm ready. Even with neighbours? Yeah, yeah, I just turn yeah. up when I'm ready. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think I'd be more embarrassed to be knocking about in the garden trying to look like I'm not there than just knocking on the door and going in. Yeah. She's probably messing about with a genie lamp, wasn't she? I bet she is. So yeah, so they asked, like, well, where's Jerry? Um, and he's apparently sulking in the front yard because Margot pointed out that his watch was too fast, which which really tickled me. Hmm. Um, and then when Jerry does walk in, um, and I wanted to ask you about this, he has a walking stick. Now, yeah. is, that, is that a hangover from the last episode with his broken foot? I think it must be. I searched online to try and find whether Paul... Eddington had actually broken his leg in real life and whether they had to still sort of yeah. write that into the episodes. But I couldn't find anything, so I don't, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got a walking stick. Is it, is it even mentioned? It took me a while to realise that this seemed to be, the continuity seemed to be straight after the harvest almost because that's what they were toasting. So I think it yes. was for continuity, even though it was presumably on television months and months later, if not the following year, yeah. for continuity, they must have had him have a walking stick. Otherwise, he's just taking the dapper um, everyman routine up to ridiculous levels, isn't he, walking around indoors yes. with a with a cane? Yes. But then, having said that, so, uh, yeah, I, I, can't, you're right. I can't criticise, because as a child, I mean, I was, I was an odd child, as you might expect, Al, because um, I'm an odd man, but... Um, when we went on, on our family holidays in Britain, you know, Scotland, Yorkshire, places, you know, even Devon, Cornwall, hmm. I had my own walking stick like Jerry's. <laughs> so, Did you really? Yeah, like a little cane walking stick. And every time we went anywhere with it, anywhere out, anywhere, even, I don't just mean hill walking, walking down the street, I'd be there like an old man with my walking stick. And every town I went to, I'd, bu- I'd buy one of them badges that you could get nailed into the walking stick. <gasps> To hammer in yeah. with the little pins. Yeah. Oh my god! I run out of space. I went all up, wow. all up the front, and then all up the back with this knackered old walking stick that, <laughs> like, a ten-year-old boy was walking around with. Um, I yeah. still got the walking stick. No. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened to it. Oh, that's a shame. Well, I know that I I moved on to another walking stick. <laughs> I graduated to um, I upgraded at some point. But I was I was a bit disappointed wow. to see that Jerry didn't have any badges on his. Maybe, you know, it's a working class thing. Jerry's too posh for that. Too posh for the um for the badges. Um, so they have a drink. They have they have some peapod wine. 
and the gods offer to show what they've done with the harvest. Well, before they show him the harvest, I notice that Tom says, how about a quick snort before dinner? And I was like, yes. quick snort? Are they on their bloody Colombian marching powder in Surbiton? <laughs> no wonder he's brought his walking stick. Do you know what um, the best nickname I've ever heard for cocaine is? Um, Owen Wilson's Crooked Nose Surprise. <laughs> I mean, it's not pithy or catchy, but it's great, isn't it? Anyway, so you're right. Um, they they get offered to, to go down to the, um, or not down to the cellar, up to the spare room to have a look at the harvest, don't Up they? to the spare room, yes. Yep, it's, um, and there's, there's wardrobes and drawers full of cabbages and apples um, and carrots. Um, and it's what, Tom describes as a year's worth of nosh, which again made me laugh a great deal because that's whether these, I don't know, would nosh just have meant food in the 70s? Oh, do you mean from the perspective of a blowjob? Massive blowjob, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I still think of nosh more as um, food than than a, a blowjob, but yeah, maybe that speaks more to my okay. personal life than anything else. Um, <laughs> yeah, um I personally would not be comfortable eating any of the food that had been in the goods monkey drawers. You know, no, probably woodworm no. and all sorts in there, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I, can't, I, I don't know how long it would last. I, they're talking like they could keep it there indefinitely, but I, I don't know. I think it would all just start to rot. Well, they had um, different standards in the 70s, I suppose. It's hashtag different times again, isn't it? Because have you seen, it is. have you seen those, those pictures of sandwich shots from the 70s? People would walk into a sandwich shop. And just literally, there'd be no refrigeration. Sandwiches would just be piled up, like one on top of each other. Okay. To the roof. And you just take a sandwich. Here's your sandwich, right. pal. Here's your sandwich. <laughs> Never mind the COVID. Get that in, down here. Right. You know. um, yeah, so I think it, they just had different standards for, I mean, they probably used less um, uh, fertiliser and stuff as well, but I suppose it's a trade-off, yeah. isn't it? Sp- you just, you'd just pull like the rotten bits off, wouldn't you, and still eat it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Good life. 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 So the um the idea is that Tom and Barbara sell on their surplus fruit and vegetables to make some money. Um, but the thing is, they've only got they've not got a surplus on an ongoing basis. They've only got the one off lot of of surplus to sell. Mm. Um. So then Jerry's quite sort of scathing of this and and he's convinced it's not going to work, whereas Tom's sort of taking it upon himself to, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to make this happen. Yeah, Jerry Jerry occasionally gets a little bit disparaging about their plans, but he's, I think he's trying to help guide them. Um, or, it's the dr- yeah. or it's the drink talking, one or the other. I mean, he's up there and he's, he's sort of leaning yeah. on his cane to stop him falling over because he's shit-faced. But he's basically <laughs> saying, this isn't, this isn't going to work. And Tom's like, yes, it will, with his usual sort of, everything will work out attitude, you know? Yeah. So we we see the next scene Tom disappear off to the restaurant the the Runcible Spoon. Yeah. <laughs> um and we see him in the um the office of the the guy in charge there Michelangelo Lombardi um in a bid to sell his extra fruit and veg. Um and there's a a weird incident with the cigar box, the musical cigar box that sounds like a, an ice cream van. Yeah, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? The, it was. The guy just generally was weird. And he's sitting there in his full penguin suit in his dingy little office, chomping on cigars like yeah. like Eric Monster Monster Hall, the football agent. Monster, yeah. monster. 
tell us some veg. And he had a weird accent. It was all very odd. Yes. Mm. Tom turns up with his little shopping bag, um, which is just filled with, with fruit and vegetables, um, to try and show them off in order for Mr Lombardi to, to purchase them and sell them um, as part of his food in his restaurant. Um, but Mr Lombardi wants... He wants a supplier. He doesn't want just a one-off shopping bag full of, of veg. Yeah, Tom's Tom's a bit naive, isn't um, he? Thinking he can sell single items yes, of veg absolutely. to a, to a restaurant. And it's and as well as that, Tom's patter, his selling patter, is rotten. And he's like rubbing the carrot all mm. over his head in a misguided Marx Brothers yeah. sort of routine. Um, it's, yeah, and the guy what the guy then offers him seventy quid for what ostensibly seems to be one lettuce, one onion. One carrot, a parsnip, <laughs> and a collie. Seventy fucking quid. I'd snap his snap his arms off. Yeah. So it, that it doesn't work out um, because Tom's expecting sort of ninety quid for the whole lot. The guy only wants to pay him seventy, so he sort of cuts his losses and off he goes. Returning um, back home to find Barbara putting tomatoes into jars with pickling brine. Yeah, he does his um, dejected. It makes me think of, of um, George Michael in Arrested Development, you know, the dejected war, <laughs> yeah. he's traipsing home. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. And he's feeling sorry for himself, you know, like the big kid that he is. They've, they've grown the wrong produce. Yeah, it's finally dawned on him that it's, yeah. it's a lot more difficult than they were thinking. He does that thing that he does a lot of the time where he gaslights Barbara, sort of blaming her. Yes. She chose the wrong things to grow. I think this gaslighting that he does, though, he, they do it with a twinkle in their eyes as if, oh, it's just mm. a joke between us rather than... Yeah, I think so. Do you know what I mean? They both know that it's his idea and that they're not really pretending otherwise. It was his idea, rather, to grow the veg that they grew. But the final yeah. demand for the rates is adding to the pressure, isn't it? Yes, they've got to sort of do something to add to the £3.28 that's in the bank. Um, and then Tom comes up with a, with a bright idea of cutting out the middleman and selling direct to the public. Um, and in the next scene, we've got Barbara on a, a, a market stall at the front of the house um, selling the surplus fruit and veg. Um, and she only appears to get one customer who wants to buy some paint when it's quite clear that she's selling fruit and vegetables. Bit of an odd an odd sort of scene. Um, well, it doesn't really look like there's a lot of through fare on that, uh, on, you know, foot traffic on that road of theirs, does it? So it seemed like a, no. a bit... No. I mean, fair fucks to her. She's put up a... Pop, pop-up veg store 40 years before pop-up stores yeah. became a thing. So, you know, that was pretty innovative. Yeah. But it didn't seem the best location in which to do it. No, the, the avenue is definitely not the place for, for a pop-up, I don't think. No, and then, of course, Jerry comes screeching to a halt in front of them. He's probably fucking three sheets to the wind. He's like screeching. Yeah, he's two to... bottles in. He's two bottles in by then. And like, they just... Him, Margot piles out the car, doesn't she? <laughs> Aghast. All Margot's convinced is that the um, the value of the property on the avenue is going to go down, and she says it's not a tradesman's ghetto. Yeah, which did quite tickle me. She's got some great lines in this um, episode. Uh, Tom decides to pile everything onto um, a truck on pram wheels and deliver it down the road. Um, I'm guessing like house to house um, to get it to get it all sold. Um, but then a car pulls up with. Ronnie Boxall, who is the local green grocer, Ronnie Pickering, who gets Ronnie out Pickering. And gives, him, <laughs> gives him what for? Um, it took him ten years to um, to to build up the the 
the clientele for, for for such a business. Um, and then there's there's Tom wheeling it down the road on um, on pram wheels, and he says, "My father lost a leg at Gallipoli." <laughs> um, and Tom says, "Well, you better you you better get off and help him look for it." That is that is just one of those recurring events that we see in these old sitcoms of like incidental characters yes. just blurting out random unrelated comments. Yeah, you might as well have said absolutely. Like, well, for your information, a koala bear is a marsupial. <laughs> I mean, it just has no fucking relevance. No relevance. No relevance whatsoever. Uh, but Ronnie Boxall sets Eugene on Tom, who's this man mountain that gets out of the car and starts to throw a veg at him. Um, and I've got, I have a factoid here. Oh, yeah. I have a fact, Ben. I have a fact. I have a fact, Ben. I have a fact. <laughs> so, through my limited research, I have found out that Michelangelo Lombardi, played by Wolf Morris. Wolf! And Wolf Morris... Um, and Blake Butler, who played Ronnie Boxall, were together in another series in the 70s, um, A.P. Herbert's Misleading Cases, which was a sitcom. It doesn't sound like a sitcom, but it was a sitcom that took a look at some extraordinary cases that proved the law could be an ass. Bloody hell, what's it called? And these two, these, um, A.P. Herbert's Misleading Cases. A.P. On TV from 1967 to 1971. That does not sound like a winner. <laughs> We're going to have a look to see what the IMDb rating is. God, it hasn't even got a bloody... Is it? Oh, misleading misleading cases. Yeah. Oh, no, 7.7, so it must have been reasonably good. Really? Yeah. Oh. Well. So these two actors must have been doing the rounds in the 70s, 60s and 70s as um, bit, part, bit part actors. Um, yeah, and there they were. They were they've, they've been in, in, in a show together previously. I thought it was Jeff Capes when that fella got out of the bloody car. Yeah. He, or the man that played the um, the the, um, the Green Crossing man. Yeah, it could have been him. Yeah. He's Darth Vader as well. Or the Jolly, Jolly Green yeah. Giant. There we go. That Roddy Boxall character, he does a lot of, um, again, it's of its time, finger prodding, where you're prodding your finger into people's chest while you're arguing with them. Ah, oh, okay. He's like, woo, 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 prodding um, Tom in the chest, and yeah. then Tom prods him back. It's the precursor to a 70s tear-up, basically. Ah, right, okay. Just prodding. Well, thank you very much, Jerry. So Tom re- returns home after his um, beating with the vegetables, and they realise then that things aren't really going their way. They've been trying to live on their own, um, and Tom says, but all we face is obstacles. So he's a bit he's a bit sort of downhearted mm, with it all. He is, yeah. At, the, at this at this point, how they're going to pay the rates? They don't know. Um, and then Jerry enters with his usual "Hello, peasants," um, and they offer him a glass of wine, and he says no, which really surprised mm. me. Um, what are you going to do about the rates, though? He says, um, and then he offers to pay him, but offers to buy all of the bloody veg, doesn't he? Basically, yeah, yeah. Jerry comes up with the idea of, well, we'll buy it off you. Um, and Tom says, well, the only thing that you usually buy in bulk is gin. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he offers to, to buy the whole lot. Um, Tom uncharacteristically refuses to leech off the Leadbetters at this point, doesn't he? Which surprised yeah. me because ordinarily he's quite happy to take the handouts, isn't he? This would be a massive sort of handout, though, wouldn't it? This would True. be a big, 
a big break in the in in, in how he sort of foresaw this all playing yeah. out. He wants to be able to sell the food to get the money, and it really would be it would change the dynamics of their friendship, perhaps, wouldn't it? It would. It would. And also, if you're going to go and offer to buy um, the guy's livelihood, well, not his livelihood, but, you know, the fruits of his labour off him, you don't walk in going, hello, yeah. peasants. I mean, it's a bit yeah, <laughs> demeaning, he's... isn't it? I know he always does that, <laughs> but given what he's about to do, perhaps he could l- lord it less. Just wind your neck in, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in the next scene, we see Margot in the rates office um, paying her bill, her itemised bill, which she goes through and tells them what she's willing to pay and what she's not willing to pay. She doesn't want to pay the the um, drain bill until they can get a plumber out the following morning to um to get it fixed. Um, it's brilliant this scene, isn't it? With it is. She's she's got she's got it she's got it listed, and she even post dates um her check so that the work gets done before the actual check can get cash. She is she is in complete control of that conflict at all times, isn't she? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's how I suppose that's how. Things used to work where you could demand things were done and not pay until it was. It's just not like that anymore, is it? Yeah, the line, you know, such and such, I shall pay. Mm. Uh, I wish I could get away with that. I wish I could just rock up to the council here who is shite and tell them that I'm not going to pay half the things that the rates are for, you know. And then when he says, does he ask her who she thinks she is? I'm not quite sure what he says to her, but she says, I am the silent majority. Yes. Yes. Wonderful line. Today, you'd be in a headlock by a, a member of security before you'd even had a chance to get involved. And um, But she, yeah, she seems to know what she's doing. She really does. And then Barbara and Tom arrive to pay their rates, which they've managed to scrape together from changing back a peseta note and finding money down the back of the sofa. Yep. Which is quite ingenious. They're still skint though, aren't they? They're still skint. Tom ends up overpaying, though, by one pence, which he gets back um, as, as a coin. And he's solvent again, and he's quite happy with that because he's um, he's, he's got he's got a bit of cash in in the form of a 1p coin. Um, Margot, at this stage, is, is concerning herself over how Barbara's going to keep herself in knickers. Yeah, knickers expensive quite odd. in the 70s, were they? I don't know. But but Barbara says that a gallon of goat's milk equals two pairs, so she's she's already got it sorted. Yeah, knickers. I don't think you could keep yourself in knickers for a penny, could you? No, but it's an odd an odd thing to sort of focus on something that can be washed and laundered and and reused. It there's other things that I would sort of consider before. I can see Barbara going commando if she's not got any clean knickers. She would be. Of course, she would. She'd be fine. She wouldn't even... That wouldn't even be on her mind. No. Um, so then they're, they're out on, the, on the, the high street after they've been to the tax office and I spotted... I spotted a wimpy um, <laughs> behind them as they were stood chatting in the street and it got me really excited and quite reminiscent of, of going to a wimpy as a kid um, and it made me feel really excited. But do you know, Ben... Mm-hmm. How many wimpies are left in England? Oh, that's a, that's an interesting question because I like you. I love I loved a wimpy in St Helens when it, where I lived when I was a toddler. Yeah, we always had a wimpy yeah. before we had a McDonald's. Right. Yeah. And then when the McDonald's opened, I was like, "Yeah, fucking well." I was six, so I wasn't saying. Yeah, wimpy. But I was like wimpy all the way. But I think McDonald's <laughs> were cheaper, so yeah. my mum was like, "Get over to Mackey's." Yeah. But um, 
Absolutely. No, I do like a wimpy. No, I don't know. Let me have a guess. I, I would say... Did your, did, did, did your wimpy in St. Helens, was it a crockery wimpy where you had plates and knives and forks? I can't remember. I was I was in a nipper. I can't really remember. Might have been, though. Okay. It might have been. Mm. Um, I would guess more than you might think, so I would say 120 wimpies. Oh, you've almost just doubled it. Oh. Um, it's 62, which is quite underwhelming now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's still 62 wimpies in, in England, um, more located around the southern part of the country. Um, whether that means anything or not, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, seeing the wimpy sign, it was it was it was the same feeling that I get from from watching The Good Life. It was that sort of looking back with rose tinted spectacles at how amazing wimpy was. It probably wasn't, no. um, but my, in my memory, it was it was it was somewhere I went with my nana and my mum on a, on a Tuesday, and and they'd get a, they'd get a meal each, and I'd get an empty plate, and then they'd put food on my plate. Um, Big spenders, eh? <laughs> and I'd have that as my meal. Absolutely, pushing the boat out on a Tuesday. Wimp, wimpy's good, but I think also any time they go and have an exterior shot of a high street is always like really enjoyable for me because you see oh, Woolworths and you see you know whatever they might be, just all these old brands that you kind of yeah. hadn't forgotten existed, but you're just like, oh yeah, I remember the mm. one in my town, and it's it's just a lovely little yeah. And the cars when they're going past old you know Ford Allegros or whatever. Mm. It's yeah. lovely. I tell you what I like about about seeing the old shop fronts. Um, it's the it, it, the the colours and the like the lettering and the the logos and and it just I don't know. It's just that I think there's a word. There is a word to describe it. I think when you sort of look back at those at those things and they just give you that feeling of I don't know. It must be being a kid and being safe and being yeah maybe. I mean nostalgia doesn't. Is the is the doesn't really cover it, but it's the best I can come up with on the fly. Yeah, because it's mm. it's more to do with that childhood it's, safety, isn't it? And yeah, when you didn't have a care, and you were just like, oh, this is this is just nice. This is just you didn't appreciate it as much at yeah. the time, and everything's always with rose tinted yeah. glasses looking back. But I I I yeah. just always feel like oh, that's just a, a lovely comfort blanket when you see stuff like that. Yes, absolutely. The one thing I didn't like though it was this bloody woman coming up. Collecting for collecting, oh. selling flags for some nondescript charity. There was a charity mugger. Charity mm. mugging was even happening in the seventies. Chugging, and she just jangles, jangles yeah. in front of um, yeah, in front of Tom's face. Mm. Margot folds up a note. I'm guessing like a pound note to push into the um, charity box, and Tom's left with only his one p, which he reluctantly slips into the box. Swapping it for a button, which I'm guessing is a badge, um, which is quite quite a decent a decent amount for a for a for a badge, I suppose. Um, um, so his money's gone, his, his penny's gone. He's paid it to charity, um, and then unfortunately Barbara pops her head out from the public toilets. She needs to spend a penny, quite literally, and now he doesn't have the penny to give and, her. Uh, it's, it's quite a sad ending, really, isn't it? Because it's it's dark because they are literally penniless now, living day to day. Yeah, yeah. I was very surprised that you had to pay to use a toilet. And mind you, I suppose it is London, but in the seventies, I would have thought that the public conveniences would would have been free everywhere. Maybe I'm living naively, thinking that it was less um, commercial back then. Mm. But yeah, yeah. And that brings the episode to a close on a little bit of a dark, um, depressing note, really. 
it's not played that way, but I, yeah. I feel a bit like, oh God, what are they going to do? So obviously Tom was, uh, is absolutely skinned, so there's no tab-tab this week. We won't do a tab-tab. Mm-hmm. Yes, no tab-tab. So I think it's time we have a, we just go straight over to Fashion Corner, Al. Fashion Corner, Fashion Corner. Fashion Corner, Fashion Corner. So in one of the earlier scenes, um, I wanted to just talk about Margot's dress. Um, it was when the, when she comes in for the um, dinner party with the goods and she's got this gorgeous brown waterfall-fronted um, dress. It's like a, like a, like a curvy-fronted... Um, no, say that again. In the first scene, uh, Margot comes into the goods for the dinner party in um, this beautiful brown dress that's got like a waterfall collar down the front um, and she just looks stunning but I think it's 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 one of them she she can literally pull off whatever she she wears and I know we've talked about the budget before that she had um, for for the good life and it's really it's really obvious that she is emulating um, the middle class woman that she is in the 70s um, and some of her choices are Amazing. And this in particular, this brown dress with like, I think it had like white piping as well down the front, um, was just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And I think it would be at a push, you could get away with wearing it, wearing it today. Um, Jerry's there in his dapper suit with his with his um, with his walking stick, um, again looking um, just very suave. He had a bit of a suave look to him, quite sort of like a fitted. The suit that he had was quite fitted, um, and. I think it's one that we've not seen previously because he, he was yeah. in the first series. He was running the risk of, of, of re-wearing a lot of the same clothes, but this seemed to be like a, a, a new a new outfit, which I, I quite liked. He did look very smart. They are a very they are a very dapper couple. They are. They, oh yeah, they definitely are. Um, and the cane set off that suit nicely. I thought, even if it was um, more for continuity than style. Absolutely. I think he was just missing a monocle though. That's missing for me. Um, and but I think a uh, special mention needs to go to um, Michelangelo Lombardi, um, the restaurateur from the Runcible Spoon, with his what I can only describe as um, it, it, it's like a, a very typical 70s suit with the ruffled shirt that you'd wear if you were um, Bernard Manning at the Embassy Club. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was that sort of like velvety maroon effort with with the with the ruffled shirt underneath. Yeah, I can see it definitely in use on a, a, an episode of The Comedians by someone. Yes, I've seen it. I've seen it before. Um, but it, yeah, definitely, it, it's a definite moment in time, isn't it? That suit. It's it's a it's a, it's, it's a landmark of of that decade. Um, so it was yeah, definitely, definitely worth a mention. Um, also in. In this scene, um, I think we mentioned the the ice cream music cigar box, which was very odd, um, playing music that you'd hear when you wanted a 99. Um, but it did remind me of, um, I don't know if you've ever seen these, Ben, in the 70s, there were um, cigarette holders, um, and my grandparents had one. Um, what you did, it was like, um, it was a black ornamental horse, but, and you put, you decanted your cigarettes from the cigarette packet into the back of this horse. It sounds really random. Um, and they, they lay in the, in the back of the, the horse where like a saddle would be. And then you pushed its ears down. Right. And a cigarette was then poked out 
of the horse's bum. Its tail came up and, and a cigarette came out of its bum, which I just thought was completely normal. Um, but thinking back now with, with a 40-year-old head, um, what a random thing to keep in your house to dispense cigarettes when you could just take them out of the package. It didn't clip them. It, it didn't clip the c- cigars or anything, did no. it? No. No. Okay. Nope, it was they were for cig- normal cigarettes. You pushed its ears down, and a cigarette shot out of its bum. Just some some Cockney spiv somewhere's come up with this idea. So like, I know what we'll sell. Yeah, we'll have a horse, and it will shit cigars. <laughs> we gold dust. Oh, honestly, it was. It, it sticks in my mind as being my my grandparents had very. Um, their house was riddled with seventies, so. That was like a like almost like a like a showy off centerpiece that you'd that you'd pull out after a couple of whiskeys and and show off to your <laughs> to your friends the, the the horse that shit cigarettes. Does Margot approve? I don't think so. No, she does not. <laughs> don't think she would. Absolutely not, Jerry. So this week, then, have you got a most valuable player from the? Do you know what? I, I'm not entirely sure I've thought it through really because now I'm. Now I'm mm. under pressure to answer you. Now you're on the spot. Yeah, I think ordinarily we go for we go for someone whose character we we award the MVP based on character development, don't we? We tend to, yes. Or you know, being a good egg or behaving well as a character. But this week, I just think I'm going to give it to Margot because she just had some wonderful lines. Yeah, yeah, she did. I just thought she was brilliant in this episode. My MVP for this week um, is going to be Tom. As I feel that he he hit that bump in the road of oh my god what where's this going to go are, are we going to actually going to be able to do this um, and he and he made it work in the end by scrabbling together but he he made it work um, and it it reminded me this week I'd, I'd I'd seen a quote somewhere about not waiting until you're confident enough to do something do something so that you become confident in doing it if that makes sense and I feel like Tom sort of hit that there was no point waiting until he could get it all perfect before he did all this. You've got to just think on the on the hop, really, um, and make it up as you go along. And that's what he was doing. And by the end of the episode, besides being um, totally skint, um, they've got through this this next issue. They've made it work, and um, I quite I quite admire him for that. Yeah, good on him, I suppose. He's still leading the leaderboard now, though, because mm. you've given him another award. Really? Yeah. <sighs> I'll I'll wear you down. I'll turn you against Tom sooner or later. I know. I know. I know. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. So next week, Ben, we are on series two, episode two. Do you know what we're called? Yeah, it's the it's the Guru of Surbiton. Oh right, okay. Oh, that sounds exciting. I wonder who the Guru is. Um, from memory, I think it's Tom. Basically, he attracts a he attracts oh. a fan base of young hipsters who want to learn from him. Oh, I've got a feeling this one's going to wind me up because they're really annoying. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I think she. I think the young girl falls in okay. love with Tom, inexplicably. Yeah, and he's the the guy's a dick. Very intense dude, isn't he? Yes. So if you're watching along with us and following the podcast, check us out at Sado Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Our Facebook page you can find by searching Sado Podcast. We've got a website at www.saddle.club where you can get more information or listen to the episodes. Get in touch and email us at saddlepodcast at gmail.com and please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Yeah, reviews are great. 
because we're a fledgling podcast and, you know, we don't really have delusions of grandeur that really many people are ever going to listen to this. We're doing it for ourselves. But if you leave a review, then there's a chance that we might get found and build a bit of a listenership. So that would be great. Thanks very much. So we will catch up with you next week with the guru of Surbiton. Um, and we'll see you then. I'll see thee.